0: Welcome back and happy November 19th, 2020, 157 years ago, President Abraham Lincoln said this at Gettysburg, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty, dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure we are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who gave their lives that the nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here, have consecrated it, far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us... shall not perish from the earth. Children in school used to memorize that speech. Now they don't even learn it or about it. Harry Jaffa reminds us that as Soviet tanks were crushing the Hungarian Revolution of 1956, the final message of the Hungarian freedom fighters broadcast on the free Hungarian radio system was a reading of the Gettysburg Address. The reading was not completed, however, it was, as it was cut off by the sound of gunfire. Some 60 years later, however, the Soviet tanks are gone, as is the Soviet Union, and the reading of the Gettysburg Address can resume. We might even be able to say that Lincoln's words like Jefferson's have proved more powerful than tyranny and despotism. But hold that thought. Harry Jaffa wrote that about 20 years ago. And what the Soviets tried to do to Lincoln and his words, and Jefferson and his, was done here, in the country that gave the world Lincoln and Jefferson. I ask if your school teaches this address anymore. I point out that statues of both Jefferson and Lincoln were toppled, taken down in various cities this year by rioters in our summer of love. What the Soviets couldn't do to Hungarian freedom fighters, our own Americans did and continue to do to ourselves, to fellow Americans. Milan Kundera writes, The first step in liquidating a people is to eradicate its memory, destroy its books, its culture, its history. Then have somebody write new books, manufacture a new culture, invent a new history. Before long, the nation will begin to forget what it is and what it was, the world around it forget even faster. At what point do we forget who we are and what we are? The historian Wilfred McClay writes, quote, for the human animal, meaning is not a luxury, it is a necessity. Without it, we perish. Historical consciousness is to civilize society what memory is to individual identity. Without memory and without the stories by which our memories are carried forward, we cannot say who or what we are. Without them, our life and thought dissolve into a meaningless, unrelated rush of events. A meaningless, unrelated rush of events. As Professor McClay goes on, a culture without memory will necessarily be barbarous and easily tyrannized, even if it is technologically advanced. The necessary waves of daily events will occupy all our attention, feed all our efforts to connect past, present, and future, thereby diverting us from an understanding of the human things that unfold in time, including the paths of our own lives. Thank God the men at Gettysburg and so many great men since could void distraction, not succumb to it, knew who we were and are, and were not defeated in their efforts to connect past, present, and future to worry about the culture i do have now wipe away destroy lincoln and jefferson our founding and the great distraction and liquidation of a people can commence it's primed to commence but not here our project our project is restoration perhaps we might even call it a new birth of freedom what we have to do and what the task before us is For as Harry Jaffa writes, for Abraham Lincoln, the terrible sacrifices exacted upon the battlefield of Gettysburg and upon 10,000 other battlefields of the Civil War could be vindicated only by a new birth of freedom. Lincoln called upon us, the living, to be dedicated to the unfinished work thus far advanced by the honored dead. Lincoln made clear that work was when he said that the nation at its conception had been dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. The war had come because many Americans had turned their backs on this defining axiom, some calling it a self-evident lie, others arguing that it applied only to superior races. For its defenders, slavery was far from being an anomaly, an evil temporarily entailed upon the new republic from its colonial past. Instead, it became to them a positive good, and they devoted themselves to strengthen, perpetuate, and extend it. Lincoln and members of his parties had been elected to office because, in light of what they held to be the self-evident truths of the Declaration of Independence, they thought slavery a great moral wrong, whose extension into newly organized territories and into the states to be formed from those territories should be prevented by law. Restricted, thus, they believed slavery would be placed lawfully and constitutionally in the course of ultimate extinction. John Stuart Mill, writing from England, understood this well, defending this exact point and writing, the day when slavery can no longer extend itself is the day of its doom. The slave owners know this, and it is the cause of their fury. They know, as all know, who have attended to the subject, that confinement within existing limits is a death warrant. Now, I ask for those who continue to think it important or rather defining that slavery is the founding point of our country. Isn't it interesting that they, those people, want to obliterate, defenestrate, change and rewrite our history to make it appear that slavery is our essence? Thus, they tear down the statues of the great emancipator. Quit teaching him. Change our founding from four score and seven years prior to 1863 and make it some other arbitrary date that shows not freedom and equality but their opposites, though that arbitrary date was never considered until last year a date of our founding or a date of any importance at all. In other words, their effort is to make slavery and not its elimination based on our founding ethos the defining point of America. And to do that, they have to eliminate and distort our very history, as if the year 1776 and the years 1861 to 1865 never existed at all. That's the task of the left today, and it has both its shock troops on the streets as well as its intellectual catalysts in the academy. It goes back and deep into the progressive movement in America Consider this from one of the founders of the progressive movement in America, Woodrow Wilson. Quote, if you want to understand the real declaration of independence, do not repeat the preface. Make a new table of contents. Make a new set of counts in the indictment. Make a new statement of the things you mean to set right and then call all the civilized world to witness. We are not bound to adhere to the doctrines held by the signers of the Declaration of Independence. We are as free as they were to make and unmake governments. We are not here to worship men or a document. It is no fetish. Its words lay no compulsion upon the thought of any free man, Close quote. Well, thank God the men who fought to the song with the lyrics, as he died to make men holy, we shall die to make men free. Didn't think the way Woodrow Wilson did. Think for a moment what Wilson was saying about the preface to the Declaration of Independence and how it could be gotten rid of. Eliminate it so that you then eliminate the call to inalienable individual rights and the responsibility of a just government to secure them. It's always curious to me how the words the progressives here want to ignore eliminate from our history are the very words freedom lovers and protesters in other countries discover, and raise, be they in Hungary in the 1950s, or Tiananmen, or Hong Kong, or Tehran. Thank God, as I say, we have those words with us still, even if hard to find, even if dusty and hoary and contemned by our modern left. I point out that a month ago, though it didn't gain much attention, Donald Trump created a 1776 commission. That's a both beautiful and tragic thing. Beautiful that we had a president and several great scholars dedicated to the words and meanings and teachings of 1776 tragic because we need a presidential commission to promote them. Recall what Jaffa warned about once: in 1776, we were nothing promising to become everything. Today we are everything promising to become nothing." The question is, can we summon up what, once, what we once had and go back? as a full circle, like a true revolution to Ronald Reagan's greatest wish, a new birth of freedom based on an informed patriotism, or will rather the modern age leave us in the place where patriotism remains a down-market commodity and we, like so many animals other than rational, remove our foundation and what we thought were our final and permanent doctrines from memory and education and just be forced to jump from lily-pad to lily pad in life into a meaningless and through a meaningless, unrelated rush of events. That, as the National Anthem, is a question. It's also our major question today. I'm Seth Lipson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. That's six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. Love to hear what's on your mind today. Is it uh, the election? Is it COVID? Is it something else? Is it our schools? <clears throat> we um, we watched a uh, press conference earlier today with several members of the administration's task force on the coronavirus, as we're told to follow the science, just as we watched Governor Andrew Cuomo's press conference yesterday angrily justifying the shutdown of schools because we have to follow the science. And the CDC director today, Dr. Redfield, says that uh, shutting down schools is not something we need to do to protect children. In fact, he said some of the safest places for children when it comes to the coronavirus are in schools. This business of following the science, we've been talking about it for some time now. But it does seem to me it, like everything else in our life, has become so far politicized that if you're not a scientist, if you're not a political scientist, I should say, or a physical scientist, it just becomes something that you get to say as a shibboleth to shut down conversation. Here's what the science says. You have to do this. But what if some other scientist says something else? So we've had about two weeks, including yesterday, of governors and mayors and other elected leaders telling us over and over and over and over again, masks work. And yet we had this massive study out of Denmark, massive, perhaps the best study there's been done to date on them saying they don't, they don't protect you. They don't protect you from the virus. Who's to be believed? What your elected leaders say? Or what an RCT, a random controlled trial, says? And a really good one at that. Well, I'll tell you, when you think about the fact that 80 to 90 percent of the population wears masks anyway, where they're supposed to, And when you see states that have mask mandates having explosive regenerations of the coronavirus, we have to kind of step away from the science and engage common sense. Wait, states with mask mandates are having explosive cases or rising cases of the coronavirus? 80 to 90 percent of the population wears masks where they're supposed to. And we have rising cases of the coronavirus. Now, I don't mean to say the mask is the worst thing in the world, but it makes me suggest, it makes me want to ask, what are our elected leaders talking about and doing to us and what will they do next? Joe Biden says the mask, he says it every day, he talks now. He says the masks should not be a political issue. It's a patriotic issue. That's what he said. He said it today, he said it yesterday, he says it every time he speaks now. The masks should not be politicized. It's a question of patriotism, he says. So if you believe the RC, the random controlled trial, over and against, say, Joe Biden, you're not patriotic, I suppose. But don't tell me it's not political, it's patriotic by ratcheting up politics to the point of patriotism, of wearing a mask. I don't know. Seems to me doing something that's not effective and mandating it so that you continually instantiate fear while you use it wrongly, as Joe Biden does every single time he holds it, seems to me that's the least effective thing. Seems to me that gives people a false sense of security. A false sense of security is a bad idea with a virus in a pandemic. It's a really bad idea. And so when you tell me those of us who don't think we should have to advertise fear everywhere we go are being unpatriotic? I'm telling you something. I think you're being unpatriotic. I think you're being unpatriotic when you tell us that we have to live in fear and live by fear and live through fear. And when Joe Biden tells us that it's not a matter of politics, it's a matter of patriotism. I think he's politicizing patriotism, the very thing conservatives have been criticized for doing for years and years and years. The shoe is on their foot right now. It's on their foot. And when Kamala Harris and other Democrats said they weren't going to take a vaccine if it was developed during the Trump administration... That's politicizing the virus. And when Joe Biden says Donald Trump is responsible for 200,000 deaths, that's politicizing the virus. Joe Biden may very well be the next president. Doesn't mean what he says is right or has to be bought. What he says every time he speaks about the virus is more untruthful than everything Donald Trump has said for the last eight months about the virus. Don't buy it. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson show 6025080960 Monica is in Hot Springs Hi Monica Hi,
1: How are you
0: I'm good How are you I'm well I should say
1: Good 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 I just I wanted to first before I talk about what I called in for is echo the callers when they say that you're the best on the radio
0: <laughs> You're so you kind You are
1: a joy uh, you're a joy to listen to Thanks. We never have to turn down the radio because you're yelling Monica, We're thank discussing, you. yeah, intelligently, all in the same level. But then your callers, I talk to the radio and go, gosh, he has the best callers.
0: No, <laughs> so, you one of them.
1: Yeah, it's really free. But I was just thinking about um, when you st- opened, you said, what's on your mind? COVID, yeah. the election, what's on your mind? Yeah. What's on my mind is fighting and, and using somebody like Ocasio-Cortez in commercials specifically to say, Look, she's putting together an enemies list. Is that what we want? Is that the country we live in? It's not. And attacking that ideology, the far left ideology, using her, the, that enemies list thing is just—I don't know.
0: It's—it's it it's amazing me. that sh- that that people can write that they should take down or put down or collect an enemies list. It's amazing people actually say these things publicly that they say them out loud and it's not just mm. aoc it's columnists no, it's at the washington her. post right um yes. It's, it's, yes. it's 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 it's
1: growing i think she yeah. gave them fuel to speak out kind of like trump gave us fuel to yeah. uh stand up for herself she's giving the far left fuel to to go far left.
0: yeah and 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 people like to talk about the democratic party and it's leftist socialist wing as the tail wagging the dog i don't think it is i think the tail is driving the dog it's not wagging it Mm. this is the democratic party if it weren't then joe biden in his quests for unity would put a stop to it or at least verbally say something about it or even if he didn't want to have his vice presidential nominee kamala harris say something and they won't in fact, they call for exactly. unity on one day and call us the far right the next day.
1: And I think if we don't hit hard at that and drive it home and make that known to maybe the people who aren't paying attention every day, like, like I'm addicted to, um, because it is truly scary behavior. Um, if you're going to win where fair and square, your ideas are that important to you, you would win and talk about your ideas. You wouldn't do it by attacking, by trying to ruin financially individuals.
0: Monica, you're right. And and the thing that's odd to me about all this is that it wouldn't be that hard to do. I was having lunch with a friend and we were talking about, you know, if Joe Biden becomes president, what kind of constitutional infringements should we or attempted constitutional infringements should we be prepared for because, you know, if he if it's if it's all legitimate that he got seventy five, six, seven, eight million votes, do you think that most of those voters know really what the Democratic Party or the Left stands for? And I don't know whether they do or don't. They probably don't. But look at what well. we've been subject to just this year. The first thing that when they weren't in the White House, they took from us from social media and elsewhere was the First Amendment. And if they do have the White House, they're going to obviously have a lot more power and a lot more persuasion. And maybe people will be um, forced to see, I should say, what we have been describing in a lot of um, of attempted theory but
1: I just don't want it to be too late. I, well, that's, that's
0: the point. That's the point, isn't it? If they can do to us what they've done without the White House when it comes to the First Amendment, what can they do with it? There's an answer to that, and it's an answer that should give us encouragement, which is spend, mm-hmm. for those that have it, every possible piece of energy you have or disposable income you have to saving Georgia and the Senate. The Senate can stop donations. this stuff. And that is yes. our short term bulwark.
1: I hope everybody can do it. The county, you really bet. do need
0: to win. You okay. bet. Thank you. Sir. Monica, thank you. 602 508 0960. Lines are open. 602 508 0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Larry's in Tempe. Hi, Larry.
2: Hi, Seth. It's good to speak with you. It's been a while since I called. Yes. How have you been? Always. I've been well. I'm always listening. I'm listening every day, every minute I've got the chance to.
0: Well, thank you, sir.
2: I wanted to comment on, and I think it was yesterday you mentioned, referred to at least. Uh, Raphael Warnock, and his lovely comments about can't serve military. And yes,
0: you cannot serve God in the military. This is the Democratic yeah. uh, uh, candidate for the Senate in Georgia. You cannot right. serve both God and the military. Right, right. Yes, sir.
2: Yeah. And I don't know if I wasn't able to listen all of the show yesterday to know if anything more was mentioned about that or anybody commented on it, but... His reference, and hes I guess he's a pastor. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to not say that too sarcastically. I but, will. Uh, yeah, the so the reference he's referring to from the Bible is talking about can't serve God. And I think in one version of the Bible it says mammon, but money, basically, or material things. And unfortunately, when he used this quote, he used the word serve as if anything you do that's serving somebody is serving as this context of the Bible talks about. And that context is talking about serving as in a servant to a master.
0: Right. You can't and, serve two masters. That's the essential right. takeaway from the book of Matthew, as I understand it.
2: Yes. And okay. that's, that's absolutely my... Understanding for but what my problem is yeah,
0: but my problem is why is the military
2: well, why is the military the
0: which protects America when we believe that God blesses America and we appeal to God for the protection of America? How is that serving two masters it's 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 and a fundamental the, the misunderstanding point. of this country, isn't it
2: It's that, and it's also I think a fundamental and horrible misuse of the scripture, right. The verse isn't talking about uh, service like that. It's not talking about that at all. I have family members, I have made plenty of friends who have served or are currently serving in the military and they aren't serving the military as if as if this is their God. Right. It's it's service to their country exactly. It's exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And there's a, a found a foundational difference between those two things, and so I don't know whether it's simply an effort. And this is my guess: is it simply an effort on a political standpoint, a political basis, to throw stones at people rather than? I, I, least... I
0: think it's worse than that, Larry. I got to maybe... tell you, I think it speaks to a deep anti-Americanism. There well, are those. Yes. And, you know, he has praised also, Raphael Warnock has praised Jeremiah Wright when Jeremiah Wright said, GD, America. We get into sharper and sharper focus when we start thinking about these things, what the people like Jeremiah Wright and Raphael Warnock think about America. They say Mm -hmm. the things about this country that our enemies say about America. Who in the world looks to God to condemn or harm this country our enemies our enemies do Mm -hmm. they pray to god they appeal to god to hurt this country in our declaration of independence we speak to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions in our constitution We seek to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Blessings, something that come from God. Amongst the patriotic lovers of liberty, lovers of this country, left, right, Republican, Democrat. I'm not saying it's a Republican thing, and I'm not saying it's a right-wing thing. We have plenty of Democrats and plenty of left-wingers or liberals in the military or who are patriotic. They wouldn't dream of saying GD America, and they wouldn't dream of thinking you can't serve God and the military. There's not a military branch that doesn't have people of the cloth in it. Not exactly one. right. Not one.
2: And it's also that's also very interesting to say it that he says it that way yep. when the military's part of what the military does, a big part of it, is defend this country and the freedom for people to worship any god they choose.
0: Or none. That's exactly right. Or, that's, that's exactly right, no, because no that, that's a really god. good point, Larry, and it's not said enough. The enemies of this country who appeal to their god to destroy this country want to impose one and only one version of God on the world, right? We don't. We don't. In fact, that's 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 one of the miracles of our founding as one of the First Nations if not the First Nation in the history of the world, that disestablished religion from country. That's exactly right, Larry. Yes, That's a really exactly. good point.
2: And unfortunately, that gets misconstrued a lot of times, the saying separation of church and state. Correct. When it really meant uh, protection Disestablishment. of...
0: Disestablishment.
2: ...the church right. from the state, right. not the other right. way around.
0: Right, exactly right. Exactly right. What bothers me about this more than anything, though, Larry... I have to tell you, is that as it happens, Jeremiah Wright and Raphael Warnick are African-American, and people Mm -hmm. seem to hesitate to want to criticize them as fully as they deserve or should be criticized because they seem to be immunized from criticism. People are hesitant to criticize racial minorities. That's another aspect of this.
2: It is, and that plays into, of course, another topic in the Context of uh, what racism is and isn't, and how it's viewed. Well, I think that I think it is the height that. of
0: racism to treat someone differently yeah. because of their race.
2: Exactly. Right.
0: And if you can't criticize exactly right. my producer for saying the same thing that someone of a different race says, because my producer happens to be a racial minority, that's unequal treatment.
2: That's exactly right. And it, it just is mind-boggling that what we used to call prejudice yep or prejudging mm-hmm. which means you judge somebody before you know their character
0: or thoughts or brain Pre-jud- or co- or composition exactly. or ethics exactly. or anything yep mhm
2: Th- that becomes okay yep as long as you've got well, generally, it's the media. On yeah, no,
0: side. that's right. When the, when the color of someone's skin or eyes or the country of origin is more important than their brain or their thoughts or their soul, you've got a real problem. And I don't, I don't, I don't care if itself. someone says "GD America" if they look like Adolf Hitler, or if they look like Idi Amin. Quite frankly, exactly. They both deserve full-throated criticism, if not worse. That's right. Larry, bless you. Thank you, sir.
2: Thanks for the time. Love your show.
0: Love to hear from you always. Stay close. We'll be right back. Love... Ronnie Millsap. That's great. Fabulous. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Tony's in Peoria. Hi, Tony.
3: Hey, Seth. How are you doing? sir?
0: I'm doing well today. How are you?
3: I'm doing very well. Thank you. Um, we spoke about two weeks ago, um, uh, mentioned that I had been, um, prior military, retired military. And, uh, we discussed that just for a moment. But, uh, the, the, uh, the add-on to that is that when I retired, I went into nursing, and uh, subsequently became a nurse practitioner. Um, but I still kept my conservative values. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that that uh, is, is is striking is the um, the assumption of our political leaders. Um, and I use that term loosely because some of them could lead an elephant to a bag of peanuts. <laughs> and, and that, that we take from Harry Truman. <laughs> uh, but, uh, they, it's so, so, so quick, uh, they were able to adopt that, uh, air of authoritativeness, um, regarding masking when, uh, the medical folks, um, really still are worldwide in a, state of um, disagreement, as it were, and you mentioned about the, was it Norwegian? Uh, that was a Denmark. study.
0: Yeah, Denmark. Denmark, right. sorry. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it could have only been better had it been a double blind, but in any case, a random was fine. Right. So what is is amazing to me is um, the uh, ignoring of that. However, I guess when you really consider the politicization of that, it's so amazing after all, is it?
0: Yeah, I, it's, it's a funny thing we're, we, we have here, Tony, because we keep being told to listen to the scientists and do what the science says, and we know the minute someone says that, they're lying to us, because the science is not agreed upon. It's not unanimous, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Great Barrington Report but it's a group of thousands and thousands and thousands upon doctors who disagree with the shutdown ethic. And are they not scientists? Are they not legitimate?
3: Well, their credentialing makes them, makes
0: them that. I think um, so, too. I think so, too. And so I think we have entered a world. I have to take a break and um, – You're welcome to call back if you want because I have an interview coming up. But we are entering a world where the left says we shouldn't politicize this. Listen to the scientists. They are the ones who have politicized this. There's a lot of different scientific views on things and there's also something called common sense. And my common sense tells me when I look at states that have had harsher shutdowns and stricter mask policies that have higher rates of infection in cases, something's wrong. It's not the shutdown and the lockdown and the mask that's efficacious anymore. Call me back on this, Tony. Call me back.